Everyone, welcome back to another edition of Cleve and Me, along with the three main goons here today, Tampa Tones, Mr. Cleveland, who rivalry week for them. You want to talk about wrestling and you want to talk about guys like the Young Bucks and CM Punk going at it. You want to talk about, you know, Miz and Loomis coming at it. Well, we got the Buccaneers and the Cowboys, which both of their teams will be in and the Buccaneers will have a podcast coming out later this week a show with Cleveland on it. So there's a lot going on, not only in the world of wrestling, but in sports. So crazy times before we get started, uh, Mr. Cleve, how the heck are you? And what's one big thing you're taking from the weekend that you just have to throw at the board? Oh, I'm feeling really good. Um, it's my off day, so I just been relaxing. But I think the biggest thing that the big story to me from this entire weekend was the post-match press conference, CM Punk, said about his fellow wrestlers in the locker room uh i think that is probably the biggest story from this entire weekend of great wrestling from both brands from i mean all three brands nxt wwe and aew and i mean if we wanna i thought you were gonna go into it a little bit more i will do that as so Uh, In a minute here, we're going to break that down because that's on its own segment. Uh, Before we get into that, because I, uh, Cleveland, I, even though I attended a couple events as I stutter through that, uh, that, you know, I want to get into with Tones. You got to meet people uh, at the likes of Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff. Uh, He met Tony Schiavone, uh, Kurt Angle, along with many others uh, and got some cool autographs and things of that nature. Uh, That's definitely the highlight of wrestling weekend in the community itself. Uh, even though we had all out, which was solid uh, tones. And I thought, even though we had clash at the castle, which I watched uh, solid. So a lot to get into, but before doing so tones, how are you? And uh, ta- you know, what did you find interesting about the, you know, events we went to that were here in Chicago with the people we were able to meet? What'd you get out of it? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. It's been a while since we've all been on the show. We've had a lot of fantastic moments in wrestling the past week. We were at AEW last Wednesday. That was a fantastic show to be at. And Friday, we were together at a great event. It was Top Guys Weekend. It was incredible, led by Ad Free Shows and Conrad himself. You met Eric Bischoff, Road Dog. Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett, that was truly incredible. We got to meet a member of the Bloodline who's the top indies wrestler in the game right now, uh, Mr. James Tattoo. That was awesome to do. And then as well, on, on I went on Saturday too. I got to meet Kurt Angle. I got to meet uh, Mike Chioda, longtime referee, which was incredible. I got to meet one of the Crockett's from the Crockett promotion, Jim Crockett promotions. That was awesome. And then Tony Schiavone, which was one of my favorite people to meet from the WCW days and now AEW. And and I met Super Dave Miller, referee from Ric Flair's last match. He actually was the one to induce the three count and end the match because Mike Chioda started as a referee in that match. He got hurt or whatnot. He had a bow out. And then who ran in? Super Dave Miller did. He counted three, and I actually got a picture with him Saturday. Got to meet him. There were so many more people there as well. Sonny Ono was there. I got to meet Brian Myers, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins. Uh, Creedy bastard charging. But uh, Zach Ryder was there, Matt Cardona. You know, Road Dog was one of the most incredible, I think, that we got to meet as well. Just a truly great experience. Only meet and greet I missed out on was Jim Ross and Conrad. But let me tell you, if you're a wrestling guy 
to hear these stories. You heard Eric Bischoff's stories, Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett. I went on Saturday. I got to hear Kurt Angle's stories. All these stories about Steve Mongo McMichael and the impact he made on wrestling. I truly, truly never knew half the things to hear. And then Eric Bischoff just, you know, going into great detail and depicting all the fake news stories that were out there about him. Jeff, he had a fun segment. Fun segment. Jeff and Jerry Jarrett. And what they did for wrestling, man, it's right up there with some of the best of it. They really did a lot of great things for wrestling. And, you know, Jerry Jarrett as well. He's a name that not a lot of people know. He tried to scare Jeff Clare or some things in Impact. They had a fallen out. Now they rekindled the flame. Uh, just incredible stories that were told. Incredible people that were at the event. And honestly, uh, one of the coolest, if not, coolest things i've ever been to as a wrestling fan yeah no doubt it was a great time and uh like you said it's been such a long weekend of wrestling we started with dynamite actually last wednesday that me tones and emot attended that was a lot of fun and i want to start there if we're going to go aew route as all the aew events were in chicago at the now arena where the windy city bulls play and um, they held about 11,000. Our dynamite was a little empty, but uh, all out looked packed to the rim. Uh, that being said, if we're going to talk the CM Punk storyline, Tones, I believe that was the day when, because I know Cleveland, I mean, you try to ask him to watch dynamite, it's like pulling teeth around here, but he said he might tune in this week, be on the look for that coming up. Is he this would be a shocking development? But Tones, I believe Punk was in the ring. Wednesday, he was like, ah, I don't think I should be doing this anymore, blah, blah, blah. I just lost a match quickly, don't have it in me. Then his somebody comes out, and we're like, who the heck is this guy at first? And ends up being the guy, long, uh, long story short, who ended up being a part of the altercation, getting fired. Uh, I think it's his top trainer, probably a good friend of his. Uh, I think his name... Cleve, what was his name you said? I, uh, I, I know his last it. name was Steel Divider. <laughs> yeah, and that's what people are calling. Thank you for that. So uh, a lot of interesting things going on, and I never saw him to that Wednesday Dynamite. It's funny how he came back full circle because I was like, who the heck is this guy? And then he ends up challenging Moxley. Uh, obviously, for the people who are listening to this, probably saw All Out. He takes the title home in a – Really good match against Moxley in the main event of All Out on Sunday night. So one thing that even Triple H took on at Clash of the Castle, the press game, the post-game press conferences, AEW has been doing for a while. It seems to be a thing that works. Media gets access. The reason I tell you that is, is CM Punk was on with Tony Khan. And a media member was about to ask a question, and before he could even get it out, Mr. CM Punk has to bring up a time when, uh, you know, him and Adam pa Hangman Page had a promo in the ring, which essentially Hangman Page said, you're in this for yourself. There's proof of it, blah, blah, blah. You know, Cole Cabana, who left AEW, a lot of people think Punk had to do with that. So Punk came out and told his side. A long story short on that one is Cole Cabana. Uh, he helped out many a years, was actually close with them for years, according to Punk, uh, you know, helped him out in life financially all these things then uh it got stale a few years back roughly paraphrasing here of course and you know they were at ends he went off on cole cabana he went off on media people and he went off on what is called the evp and those are guys for example cody Rhodes used to be one of them uh long-winded story short to this whole thing kenny omega and the young bucks are on it so he kind of took stabs at each group in a long press conference and tony khan just sat in there letting him go he tried to say at one point yeah maybe i shouldn't let him speak but punk wasn't going to stop that all being said so it's stemming from dynamite which just goes way back further but to the pay-per-view to the press conferences to monday uh where the firing happened you know there was uh a, a I'm not gonna. I, nobody knows yet. Nobody's saying anything because this is now could be a legal case. There, people have said they're lucky the one guy Punk's buddy isn't in jail because of what happened. So there's a lot that goes into this. At the end of the day, though, uh, Mr. Tones, I, I don't know if you watch the CM Punk 
press conference, but you know, you read a lot, you follow a lot of top journalists, you, you follow uh, all wrestling outlets. What are you getting out of this CM Punk storyline right now in terms of everything that transpired from, you know, way back when Hangman Page said this quote on AW to uh, make CM Punk more click to his battle with the Young Bucks that goes back a couple of years. Uh, you know, he just won the title. Now it's like, do we talk about that? Do we talk about everything that's going on? Where's your head at with this whole thing? It's kind of crazy, right? Because it's being talked about everywhere. So it, it is taking the wrestling world by storm. It, it's really good for AEW, honestly, because it, it's good or bad publicity. People are talking AEW. People like Cleve want to tune into AEW. He never wants to tune into AEW. So no matter what's happening behind the scenes, this is actually a good moment for its viewership. I think a lot of people are interested to see what happens next. And it's wrestling at the end of the day. A lot of blurry lines. Who knows how much is real? Who knows how much is hyped up? Who knows how much is being k There's been crazy fakes before. There's been some great storytelling before. A lot of this could be real. A lot of it could be Tony Khan doing what he did with the MJF storyline. Remember that? Everyone was saying MJF this, MJF that. That turned out to be a storyline. This is more extreme. It could very much so be more than that. But Tony Khan likes to build off uh, real-life conflict. So there probably is and definitely is heat with Punk and a lot of guys in that locker room, and they're probably converting it into storytelling in AEW. So I, I think of it as... A moment that was ugly if it was a scrum, but at the end of the day, it, you know, it could have been a little uh, fabricated and it's causing a great topic, a conversation for AEW, much like it did when CM Punk had his fallen out with WWE. A lot of people were intrigued there. What's going to happen with Punk? People were tuning in every week, kind of seeing what's going on here. You're going to get people interested what's going on in AEW. We don't know the next step. What's going to happen? Um, I bet you MJF eventually takes the title off of Punk. I bet you Punk becomes such a heel. MJF takes the title off of him. That's going to be an interesting storyline at their next pay-per-view, heading into their next pay-per-view. But at the end of the day, CM Punk's always kind of done this, um, no matter where with CM Punk. Uh, we've seen it before with CM Punk, I should say. Uh, you know, a lot of people tried to say in WWE, he didn't have many, uh, you know, the locker room's pretty divided with him. You're either a punk guy or you're not. All I know is this, a pro's pro out of this whole thing is Jericho because Jericho, um, you know, he told Tony Khan, hey, this is what happened. Scrums happened. You've seen it at the end of his post AEW press conference. He alerted Khan of what was going on. So whatever the hell's happening. Um, you know, Young Bucks, Punk, uh, the Elite going at it with Punk, Colt Cabana story tied in, Hangman Adam Page, all that good stuff. It is bringing a lot of buzz, and it's going to bring a lot of views. Now, what it's important what happens next for them. They got to capitalize on this opportunity. They got to make good storylines out of it, and they really got to try and draw people in and keep them hooked because if they try and turn this into, you know, one of those things that's just a CM Punk show and he keeps benefiting off of it. I don't think it's going to be a successful thing. So we'll see what happens on Wednesday, which is tomorrow. And I think uh, the, the episode of AEW tomorrow will have a big impact on the future um, in the short term, at least of AEW for the next month, coming months or so. Yeah. Which Cleve, I want to put you almost on homework to watch because me and Tones have a live draft and I would love to know what happens Cleve brought up the subject, so I'm going to let him end with it. I'm going to give my two cents right here. I just wanted to lay down the foundation of what happened for those who are, uh, you know, that's what I've collected for multiple outlets. I've, you know, I've heard some interesting things today. Rumor mill-wise will, you know, is people on, like, Wrestling Hub reported, would Punk maybe lose to MJF and then just leave the company for good? Or will this be a storyline that works out where everyone ends up getting back? I heard Bully Ray say, you know, People had to fight through worse things. Like uh, there was things back in the day between Lita, Edge, and uh, Hardy, and then also you know Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle. So there's been worse altercations that come out because most outlets, uh, in damn near all of them, report you know there's nothing 
fabricated about this in terms of being just a storyline. Now, what Tony Khan is going to do, I think, and what I, he might have already, if he didn't say already, it seems to be headed in this direction. I think this is really good short term for AEW. I think the viewership Wednesday is going to be, I think it could be one of their high, between MJF coming back and this, I think it could be a top five AEWs uh, watched on TV tomorrow. Uh, that being said, uh, as Tones kind of alluded to, it depends where they go with it. You know, if they can make this negative into a positive and put it into the stories, you know, have the elite be involved with Punk, uh, you know, you got that opportunity of the MJF Punk opportunity. You can make it work just because people don't like who they work with uh, each other all the time. You know, stuff happens now. Does this one go a little bit further than the normal uh, bitching about somebody at work? Yeah, it 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 definitely took the next step. I mean, there was altercations, people fired, um, but there's things to take out of it. I think in a way where AEW people are going to be entertained and interested to see what happens. Most of the publicity today uh, is Cleveland alluded to kind of seems to be a little more against CM Punk and a lot more uh, for the people around B. I mean, he took so many shots. That was the thing. Not only, um, you know, do people have a lot of opinions in the AEW and WWE industries, but it seems as if, you know, if this was a press conference where Punk put it in this direction and to be quite honest, as much as I talk, you know, some crap about Tony Khan, he was put in a very tough position here. And Cleveland, that's where I'm going to leave the floor to you to take it and uh, give us your, you know, two cents on this whole thing. All right. So, like I said, I really heard about all of this on Twitter um, while I was at work and stuff. I just see all the stuff about CM Punk blowing up on Twitter. And like you guys mentioned, this has been going on for years. Even when Punk was in WWE, Joe, you sent me one about when John Cena made a quote about him. The Triple H one has been going around for years. The same narrative has always been the same, that CM Punk only cares about himself. That if CM Punk is not in the top spot, then he is not happy. And it reminds me of the modern-day Hulk Hogan. For any of our listeners that have ever followed backstage stories about Hulk Hogan, how he controlled his creative, where he basically said he didn't want to lose the titles to a certain guy. He felt that he should always be the top guy. That's how CM Punk is coming off. Now, we hear in different reports, but what we can for sure know, because, I mean, a lot of people are reporting this, CM Punk did, in fact, throw the first punch at, I think it was, um, one of his last name was Jackson. He apparently knocked the guy out or something. One of the young bucks, Matt Jackson. You're, I yeah, think you're he did steal to. the biter, bit Kenny, which is even wild to think about that, you know, you guys are fighting. And this is out. based off of... I mean, what we're saying is most likely true, but keep in mind, people, this is based off of every report. Good, every, Most every good reporter out there in the wrestling is well, yeah, alluding if, to what Cleveland is saying. If more than five people are reporting it, then it has to have some type of truth to it. And what I also read is that Punk was irritated about something the Young Bucks relayed about him getting Cobana fired. But then it was another report that said that they didn't even – say they they did not even talk to the reporter about they didn't basically badmouth cm punk at all so basically cm punk overreacted to something he heard and went and caused his whole commotion in the locker room and i think it's really on tony khan to step up and be the boss that he supposedly is because i like i mentioned the group chat earlier this is a bad look for tony khan not to be able to control his locker room cm punk comes off as he is running aw at the moment seems whatever punk wants he's gonna get it blows my mind that cm punk is a two-time aw champion and he's only been with the company for a year now because he debuted back in august 20th he's a two-time world champion in that company mjf has never held the world's champion mjf is better than cm punk at the moment and also and Cleve, one thing that I, I want you to keep going but one point where a bully ray i listen because i was listening to some busted open radio today where he said, and to piggyback off of your Tony Khan comment, he said if he knows if this was Vince McMahon or Paul Heyman, he would get them in a room right away. And he say, look, for, don't forget who you work for. And, you know, that's how them two would handle it. He says he doesn't know how Khan will handle it. It hasn't been talked about because le- legality, it might not be able to. So we might not hear about this for a few days. But keep going with your point. So back to the, the fact that Punk is um, winning the – 
So the thing was, I was confused. Dean Ambrose beat Punk in this um, like 30 seconds or whatnot. Dean Ambrose wins the champion. Then a week later, CM Punk wins the champion. It like I just don't understand the point of why you flip-flopping your world's heavyweight champion like that. Because if WWE did that, oh my god, Twitter would be blowing up if a guy won. Well, the Miz, the Miz did it, but we all knew the Miz was only a placeholder for the champion at the moment. And Moxley was a champion heading into that match. They both were, so it didn't really change hands, so to speak. Yeah, but it was like a weird. It was just a well. Weird he got the he 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 got the real title. He had the interim title. Um, it's essentially the same thing, though. Right, but it, it is the the I, where I agree with Cleveland completely is um, not bringing up WWE at all, but just from an AEW side. Why have him, you know, lose and then CM Punk has a foot injury that gets a lot better in a week and a half and he wins it back? I I kind of agree there where I probably would have just stuck it out one way fully one with one or the other. I disagree. I think I, I think it was good for storytelling and the fans in Chicago seemed to like it when we were there. I think well, yeah, for, I mean they love seeing I think Punk. it made for a good match, honestly. And uh, you said it yourself, it was a good match. Well, no, I, it, it was a good match, but I, I I agree that what I'm saying is to make it even better. They didn't. I, I wouldn't have flip flopped it. I would have. I would have had. Punk well, win. they didn't. They were both champion. One of them the had interim a, interim champions. Well, one not was the real champion. Champ. That, there's the reason that they call it the interim champion. Yeah, it's but both had a, belt, right? Right, but that's not being the AEW uh, yeah. champion. That's being it happens the in UFC. It's the equal championship. That's it, why they have to fight. It's not though. It's it's an interim. But it's well, the same even, thing because he's holding the championship. Agree to disagree. I have Moxley drop the title within one week and Punk gets it. And now Punk's injured all over again, which is all karma to come back because Punk, like I said, Punk is a locker room problem if we're being realistic here. But I'm just going to wrap it up with saying I think Tony Khan needs to get behind this, needs to handle this. Because like Joe said, like you mentioned, uh, uh, Bully Ray, if this was Vince, Mc- Vince McMahon would have never let someone come on and cut what Punk did without his approval. I know we all talked about the CM Punk pipe bomb and this and that, but it's been it's been revealed years later that Vince McMahon gave Punk the green light to go out there and say all that. It wasn't just Punk going out there and say what's really on his mind. He had to get a green light from Vince McMahon. So Tony Khan just really needs to get behind this and – if Punk is injured, it's going to create a whole. But where I disagree with you is Khan didn't. To be fair to Khan, he didn't know uh, most likely that Punk was just going to go on a tangent. Well, he stood. He sat there. Like he, he kind of. He. I mean, that he knew that these guys didn't like each other. Yeah. So I agree. With, but at the same time, he didn't know he was just going to go off like he did. And he and I watched. I literally watched the entire thing. Punk went. Off. I didn't even know who the EVP was until I did my research and all that. But I didn't know much point, either. I know a lot of people was like, "This is a storyline." Like, like, dude, that sounds like legit heat that CM Punk was spitting because you can see how uncomfortable Tony Khan was looking over there a little bit. Like, you know, he it was like he just didn't know what to really do in this snap. But AW needs to get that shit together. And when Punk drops the belt, I think they should just slowly, slowly separate themselves from CM Punk because. He can cause an entire – he can cause a separation mm-hmm. of the locker room where you got guys that like punk and guys that don't like punk. And Kenny Omega is one of their biggest stars. You don't want him to feel like he's not – is either going to be me or punk. That's what's going to end up happening if Tony Khan doesn't do something about well, punk. I mean, listen, to me, this is a business. Bring it together. Make it work. CM Punk draws. Um, and it, it, love him or hate him, it's a business at the end of the day. And money, you know – Money and viewership need to be made, and I think he's an important part of that. But we'll see where it goes. Uh, Tones, I'm going to ask you this. We're going to close out and move on to another storyline. Do you think CM Punk will keep the belt for a long time or lose it quickly? Uh, and you kind of mentioned the direction of reuse. You know, you're saying we'll see where it goes. I guess it goes along hand in hand with the title. Where do you see this going? Where do you see it in about six months from now? Do you is CM Punk still the champion about? I don't think he's a champion in six months from now. I see him dropping it in the short term future to a guy like MJF. And honestly, people aren't going to be talking about this six months from now. It's one of those things that'll be blowing over in a couple weeks. I would say at that and. 
I'll be interested to see if they do incorporate their younger stars, though. Something they got to do more is propel some of those guys like the MJFs and Orange Cassidy's of the world to the top. I think Punk was going to eventually fade out anyways sooner rather than later. I mean, he's not a spring chicken anymore. I think guys like him and Brian Danielson are more so, while at least supposed to be there for putting people over. Are they doing that? Not really. But at the end of the day, I don't think those guys have much long-term legs left. So I I think really in a couple months from now, you're going to see a lot new storylines, a lot more younger guys and quote-unquote fan favorites perhaps get more chances at things. I don't think this affects them to the point where you know, they're going to lose a ton of their fans because a lot of their fans are wrestling fans and they've already been through this sort of era and these sort of things in the past before and um, they've overcame it. However, again, I will reiterate the idea that Tony Khan has to stay cool here and has to keep doing his thing. And I think, honestly, I think to this point, he's done a decent job at handling the situation because let's be honest, no one knows what the hell's going on, right? There could be a lot worse things happening after this situation. For all we know, um, you know, some legal things could have happened already. For all we know, things could be smoothed out. Sean Ross from Fightful reported that there's so much rumors going on right now, it's hard to verify what the hell's going on. So um, we'll see what happens. It's not the best situation, but here's a chance for Tony Khan to get the viewership and run with it. You could do some things tomorrow where you make – a negative into a positive. And I think, you know, we're, we're at a time where things happen so quick, not only in the world, but in the wrestling industry itself, that this will be something that'll be, you know, one of those historic moments forever, but it's not going to be talked about a lot down the road. I think those Angle and Jarrett moments and Lita and Edge moments were more significant because they had ladies involved and real life things happening with ladies and you know, guys being guys, not saying what happened in AEW is right, but, you know, guys get in fights all the time. When you got girls cheating and whatnot, that's, you know, that's a whole different level. So the Jared stuff, the angle, or in the Hardy stuff, I put one notch above this. This is very bad, but, it, it, you know, it's comebackable for sure. And I think that Tony Khan is doing his best right now. To And look at the cons. I kind of compare this to the Urban Meyer situation, right? AEW is off to a great start. It's like when the Jags hired Urban Meyer, a lot of people had their helps and hopefuls. Urban starts tumbling down. He had a lot of money left on his contract, but Khan's found the way to right the wrong with Jacksonville. They brought in a Super Bowl coach, Doug Peterson. Joey, you don't like Jacksonville. You like their coach to move. If the Khans could figure out that dumpster fire with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, I think they're going to figure this out. Yeah, and uh, the last little uh, fun fact I'll put on, not fact, but uh, Wrestling Hub reported today that, you know, the people that seem to be in, if, after going through social media, seem to be on Punk side is FTR, of course, because they have a close connection. But Dan Housen was another one. I thought he was a funny uh, name to throw in there. But, but yeah, we'll, we'll see where this all goes. I can't wait to hear what Tony Khan eventually has to say. I think one more that, thing quick, I, you know, punk, like I said, we all agree that he did something wrong, but at the end of the day, he's one of those polarizing figures as the WWE locker room had, he's still going to have about 40 to 50% of the people having his back just because they are CM punk guys that happen in WWE and it's going to happen now, right, wrong or indifferent. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, Tony, I just think Tony Khan needs to, you know, uh, Bobby Fish I, challenged him to a UFC fight as well. Any fight, know. he even said bare knuckle fight. He'll do any type. Yeah, Bobby Fish because CM Punk said, hey, "Look, if you're gonna say something, say it to my face." And then Bobby Fish recently released said, "Like, look, I'll fight you anywhere, uh, Phil." So he kind of worst fight of all time. I think. <laughs> yeah, he said his leg kicks are just a bear. He he was getting after him, but um, as people take their CM Punk shots today, but. Tony Khan, I'm interested to see, does he lay low and let this one, you know, just unfold itself? Or does he make a statement? He's known to show up on the network sometimes. It will be interesting to see. Uh, But, hey, we're already halfway through a show, and we have a lot more to talk about. Uh, You know, that just 
covered up every wrestling story and we had to, you know, give our opinions on it as well. Getting back to it though, uh, tones, we, and we'll end with clash at the castle. Um, we met some incredible people this weekend, uh, cleave out of Kurt angle, Tony Schiavone, Eric Bischoff, Jeff Jarrett, uh, Jeff Jarrett's dad, uh, road dog out of those people, who would you have wanted to meet the most? And, uh, you know, what's most in, uh, interesting to you? Because also, by the way, for the people that follow at Cleve and me on Twitter, um, posted some photos there. Uh, there's a, there's someone with Jeff Jarrett Bischoff. You, you could see some on social media at Cleve and me, man. Um, I'm going to go with Eric Bischoff uh, just because he was the guy in WCW. He was the man over there. And then he was the first true bad guy general manager when he um, took over for Raw for all those years. And he was like the top heel guy. He was like, honestly, probably after Triple H, the biggest heel on Raw. And he was the general manager. So I would definitely – it's between Eric and Kurt Angle just because I – and Kurt Angle in his prime, no one was touching Kurt Angle in that ring. If we're completely being honest, from suplexes, submission moves, all of that. So definitely between Kurt Angle or Eric Bischoff. And yeah, I had a feeling, uh, especially Kurt Angle, I thought would be your one. But uh, for me, definitely because I was at there the one night, Eric Bischoff, seeing him, and you know that the podcast, uh, you know, he's now a part of and everything. Uh, I'm going to start listening to him a little more because he cracks me up. He brings uh, tells funny, it like it is. He tells it like it is, and he brings a little comedic relief too. I, Jeff Jarrett was great and his dad, but uh, sometimes I caught myself uh, snoozing uh, during Eric Bish. Derek Eric Bischoff. It was just all. Uh, it was action packed. I mean, hey, no, it was great stuff. I just, prefer, I just prefer. Yeah, he did say that to J E double F G O yeah whatever it was um but eric bischoff was great uh i had a really fun time at that event Mm. and just being able to you know tell him each a little something bischoff i even saw at the bar for a little bit Mm -hmm. uh just good stuff to be in company and uh hear some of those stories from back in the day because you know even as me the oldest in this podcast at the age of 30 we have a lot of wrestling from what i know Cleve, you old too. We have a lot of wrestling uh, that was before our time that started things. It was very interesting to hear, mm-hmm. uh, especially when Jeff Jarrett and his dad talked about going back to days with Jerry Lawler and all that good stuff. So it brought a side to wrestling where, you know, it went in deeper into these people's lives. And uh, that's something I want to start doing more, especially I used to do that with the Broken Skull sessions with Stone Cold. I continue to do that. But this live event really drove uh, – for me to look into more people like a Jeff Jarrett or a Bischoff tones. Go ahead. Yeah. I, out of all the guys I met and I really, you know, we met the core four Friday night, then for two after met the core four Saturday, Dave Miller after they're all great guys. And like you said, it really helps you, uh, you know, want to get into the old wrestling and get into the new podcast and all that fun stuff. I mean, Eric Bischoff's 83 Weeks podcast, I think it sounds phenomenal. I actually watched it on YouTube a bit last night before bed. And, uh, you know, he was telling it like it is about Tony Khan, and he made a fair point. He goes, I hate how Tony Khan keeps, you know, I don't mind he compares AEW to WCW, but quit acting like WCW was a failure pretty much when it wasn't. And, you know, that was a fair point. So I think Bischoff was great. If I had to pick one guy I loved meeting ultimately, though, it's the announcer. I mean, I love meeting all of them, but Tony Schiavone, I'm huge on him. I'm an announcer. Uh, that's why I think I like him a lot. I, I asked him how Paul White was doing. If For those that don't know Paul White, it's a big show. Tony Schiavone is great friends with him. He said the big show is still recovering. Uh, you know, he's going through more procedures and, uh, physical battles and Shivani was one of those guys who announced for WCW uh, care and he made it feel real right he was one of those guys who made it feel real in WCW I think he's carrying that momentumous torch into AEW but really realistically you can't go wrong meeting all of them Mike Chioda's Rolex he had on was incredible that guy he had some jewelry on Mike Chioda and 
he's done some great things, man. Uh, you know, he roughed in WWE for a long time, and he roughed in AEW for about a year. And then at the end, he roughed Ric Flair's final match. So I think, you know, between all the guys are great, meet and Angle, meet and Jarrett, meet and Bischoff, but between Chioda and Shivani, you know, Chioda's, you know, the modern day Fritzy. We look at Fritzy in wrestling and, uh, you just get that nostalgic wrestling feel. I feel like when you look at Chioda, you just picture a big match going on in your head in like the early 2000s of wrestling. You just feel like, oh, Mike Chioda, big big match feel to a baby. And he carried that on through um, the Ric Flair's last match because I don't know if you guys watched that match. It was actually pretty good. It, you know, Flair was limited wasn't able to do uh, some stuff he used to be able to do. But all in all, Jeff Jarrett, Andrade, Jay Lethal, and, uh, you know, Chioda in that match, they all put on a great show. So meeting guys like all of them, especially Shivani, and especially Chioda and Jeff Jarrett, Bischoff, just incredible experience, man. Truly incredible and blessed as a wrestling fan. And that's honestly going to get me more into podcasts. And I'm already re-watching WCW Again, so um, never a bad thing to go back on uh, those. And uh, you can catch those all on Peacock. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a blast uh, looking at some stuff there. And once in, maybe a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, you know, go to an event <laughs> like that. Maybe there will be more. We will see in the future. But uh, it, was a, it was a 10 out of 10 time. I would totally go back. Um, you know, they even had a nice open bar part was set up. We had our own section in a, a tent with uh portable ac units and stuff. it was it, it was nicely done by you got goodie hotel. bags that you lost that was yeah fun. i did i was a little <laughs> intoxicated but they were giving and, away and prizes lost. i think they gave away like an autograph sting thing they were giving away jr equipment they were giving away like arn anderson shit like they were doing a lot of cool stuff and then you know during the meet and greet they played AEW rampage for those in the background so it wasn't just boring and then, like, that night, they had more, like, you know, rated R type stuff with, like, Conrad's Comedy Hour. Then the next night, they did Mike Chioda's live mailbag. Family feud segment to close down Friday yeah, night. Correct. Just, you know, a lot of cool stuff. And Rebel from AEW, the female superstar, she showed up there. So, and I looked later, a lot of the fans there were even important. Like, a guy with 50,000 Twitter followers from the Boston Globe was just a fan in attendance there. It was only 200 to 250 people. Super ref Dave Miller was a fan there. So, you know, Cleveland Mini was there. Even a lot of the fans there had importance in the damn. Yeah, and the most importantly, Chelsea Green was there, and people saw a lot of her this weekend. And, her and shout out to Jake Tahimiak, too. Yeah, oh, shout out to our boy Jay Classic, uh, standout. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, putting a bow on that event, like, like I said, just you know, something I'll remember forever. Got my eight by tens autographed, I didn't lose those, got all my pictures. It was, it was uh, good stuff. Uh, let's talk Clash at the Castle now as you round out to the last third. Of oh, the my show. bad, how rude. We barely mentioned Road Dog, man. I meant, I, I brought him up. Uh, I know well. that was. He didn't really have his own segment, though, so that was a little bit different uh, than if he would have had his part on the show. So he was kind of bounced out, and he was there for the autographs. That was really cool, and he was able to do um, pictures and for a long time, which I do respect from him on that note. Uh, Mr. Cleave, though, you want to lead us off with Clashy at the Castle talk? I know you're go you want to bring up the ones. Let's talk about it then. Well, you guys already know Roman Reigns has attained his champion. And honestly, I was at work, like, trying to watch this and drive the car at the same time. Like, had it on, like, had it on as I was driving and stuff. Yeah, luckily, <laughs> luckily, I was able to see the end. The guy, I don't know his cousin's name. I'll, I'll get it to it after a while. He showed up. Uh, that was a pretty cool way to see a good ending. My favorite part from the entire match was hearing all the crybabies on Bleach Report and Twitter complain about Roman Reigns always has to cheat to win. It blows my mind that people... And real quick, his name is Solo Sokoa. I could be pronouncing that wrong. That's taking me a while. Solo. Sure. I call him Solo. Solo shows up, throws his hood off. Drew Mac and it's Drew McIntyre fault. Should have had his eye on the ball. Shouldn't have got distracted. Shouldn't have. He worried about carrying cross. It costed him. 
he's a, like he I understand when the like the Usos actually get involved in the match, but all he did was take his hood off. He didn't touch Drew or none of that. Drew just got distracted and Roman took advantage of him. But I just want to say it kills me that people are complaining that Roman's getting stale, which he is not. I still think his character is still growing. Even after two years, he can still do more. And they complain about he always cheats to win. Like Triple H didn't use a sludge hammer to win. Like all these other heels then use backdoor methods to win. It blows my mind hearing that complaint. But all in all, Roman retaining was the right move just because I don't think there's anybody on the roster that is worthy of taking a belt off him. Cody, but he's not here right now. So I think that's the only real option that can probably beat Roman Reigns is Cody Rhodes. Because The Rock is a long shot at being at Mania. So Cody's the only real chance of it, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. And hopefully we got all that because I think our internet just blows ass at our fucking crib today. Cause we've you got to pay more, bro. This is we've, bad. we've had a few mishaps here, and I'm just highly disappointed right now that there's been going on. Sorry for the technical uh, difficulty for all the people out there. Is you know, things just keep freezing up, and it's becoming really frustrating as we have a lot of talk to talk about here. Uh, here today, but anyway, <laughs> oh man, this is getting ugly, isn't it? But anyways, as we move forward, with it, man, I don't know if things are just freezing up or what is going on. <laughs> We're good, <laughs> man. This is just this is just highly disappointing. I got to figure something out sooner than later here. But anyway, sticking at it, Roman Reigns. I, I did see some complaints um, on, you know, the win by Roman and how he won. But, hey, that's how it goes. When you're in the best faction in the business right now and you are the dominant champion, you've taken out everybody in your way. The long lists are all over social media. Uh, if we're actually building to the rock one day, I mean, I think it's all worth it. Uh, this is, you know, the longest run over 700 days. It has been insane. I I like Drew McIntyre, but I don't think it would have been right if he actually won it here the more I think about it. And I say that for a couple of reasons. Number one, he did have a championship semi-recently during the COVID era. And number two, he would probably lose it right away. So what's the point of having Adam just for a short-term run right now? Let the Roman Reigns era fully run its course and then take him into what will unfortunately be more of a part-time career. That was a good one. Real quick before Tones brings up something from Clash at the Castle, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with two things here. Real quick, my quick one is Mad Cat Moss. I watched from the pre-show all the way through. He did awesome. He got a huge reaction. Uh, People are starting to, he's starting to grow on people a little more. I could tell by the crowd reactions and, I know this is a battle that Tones and Cleve had one day. Right now, I think it's a lean in the little Tones in terms of this guy maybe being able to become something. I saw some spark from him, though. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was a, he seemed to be a fan favorite. Now, it did help. He was with the Street Profits. But he was pumping up the crowd on his own, and they were kind of loving it. Uh, but my main point is the Dom heel turn. How can we not talk about it? We talk, we've only been speculating it for months and months and months. Uh, I guess, Tones, I'll start with you and then go right to Cleveland. Do uh, you like the way it went about it and how it led into Monday Night Raw? And really, they made Rhea Ripley the main reason, uh, you know, that Don joined the dark side. She's got him to see the light. And uh, he, he, after they won on Saturday at Clash the Castle, he goes up the edge, kicks him square in the nuts. He takes out Ray Mysterio, similar to Eddie Guerrero, and uh, when he made his heel turn on Ray, and then Monday he continued. He had that gothic look. He didn't say a word. Uh, you know, he wouldn't listen to Ray. He didn't want to hear it. He was now a part of the Judgment Day. Uh, what are your thoughts on that whole story? Yeah, from what I could hear from you, um, I'll try and answer what I can. Uh, Is you it know, that lie? No, you just sound like a robot on crack at times, you know. But um, nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, you know, it 
Dominic Mysterio, I have so many things to say about I know you're not a fan about him. None of them are good. It was predictable. Event- I mean, it, not the way he did it, but we all knew it was going to happen eventually. And the way he did it, scumbag, bro. Leave Edge out of it, you freaking scum. You're going down. I hope Edge spares you through an arena somewhere soon. And once your dad's out of the company, you'll probably be released shortly after, too, you low-life sack oh. crap. Oh my uh, tired, of, tired of your knee and legends in the crotch. Tired of you thinking you're trying to big time your pops. Well, I'd be careful with your pops. He does have a body under his name as well. So don't get too physical with Rey Mysterio. Uh, he might be coming for Jeez. you. Well, so, maybe uh, we'll get you versus Dom. Yeah, maybe we'll get me versus Mysterio's baby. Let's go. I'm ready to fight him. But all in all, um, Judgment Day, they're, they're trying. Honestly, I, I thought the faction would have been folded by now. I see him lasting a little bit longer. But, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, I, I think the good guys will come back on top. I, I think Edge will do something to take down Dom. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be a happy day for people like me when that happens because I'm not a fan of Dom. I don't like Ray. I don't like You don't her. like the Judgment Day. I don't like with the no judgment day. And they, but they, they, they've been proven. Yeah, I mean, I they've outlasted. They've outlasted what I thought, but that doesn't make him any less tacky than a get, uh, gothic twelve-year-old high school boys band. Jeez. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, you know, the whole thing in general is just a bad stomach ache, and uh, I, I like a lot of what WWE is doing nowadays, but that one I think was very predictable, and uh, it, you know. Screw Dominic and Ray. That's all. Please, please shed some light on this uh, uh, IT filled literary no, podcast. Just sounds like a bunch of nonsense coming out of Tampa Tone's mouth to disrespect the legend Ray Mysterio like that. Tone, it's just utterly disgusting. Now, I will admit, Dominic has grown on me. It, at first, he was too green. Well, yeah, anyone in the WWE grows on you. Cody Rhodes grew on you. You used to hate him, and now you're saying he's the only Fun one fact, viable for uh, fighting. That, for that happens, Rhodes. though. It happens. Cody Rhodes, because my perception. Because he's in the WWE. Face. When he wasn't in yeah, the when WWE, original, when he, he was the same Cody Rhodes. He came back, and he got better. That's how no, I. He did not get better. Come on. He got hey. better. Cody was back, Cody back was to the dime, back to dime. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk this when Cody comes back. But anyway, I will admit some parts that Dom was getting a big push because of who his dad was, and he was very bland. He was just everywhere you go, he just knew him as Ray's son. But I think pairing up with who I am, huge fans. I like Finn Balor. I like Damian Priest. Rhea Ripley, she's got that weird X factor about her. And you got Dominic Mysterio. This is actually his first big time being a heel. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Tony's throwing me off with the hand. Anyway, like I said, I like Dominic Mysterio. I think he's getting better. I like the storyline that he's going. The only thing I do find weird is that they keep mentioning how Rhea Ripley made him a man. So I don't, I don't know where the hell that story's going, but it's it seems she has some control over Dominic Mysterio, but it would be cool to see a father and a son have a match one-on-one. I think that would be fantastic, and I disagree with Tones. I think even when Ray retires, I think they'll keep Dominic around because he's only, like, what, 22 or something? Oh, yeah. Him and Ray are both only 25 years old. Yeah, so he's got a long time in his business, but I got to disagree with what she said about the Mysterio, Tones. It's just blasphemous. And don't worry I, about anything. I, I like my wrestlers this, who don't murder people. And but. this and this podcast has just been littered with not only blasphemy, but um, some technical audio difficulties, which has just been insane. Uh, this is probably one of the greatest content episodes, but boy, oh boy, have we hit. Hey, I got breaking news. Hit us. Slice Wrestling, the best reporter in the game, may I edit that. <clears throat> in your opinion. Uh, in, the, in the world of many. Um, he tweeted this. The Tony Khan and C- it, this guy's never been wrong on anything, by the way, that I've ever read, Slice. Tony Khan and Punk one-on-one meeting has ended. Legal charges pending. Punk been in Tony Khan's air on how to get AEW to beat WWE and blames the elite for letting Cody Rhodes walk away. He says letting Cody Rhodes walk was a mistake. 
Slice W awaiting AEW to release statement within 48 hours. And due to legal issues and charges, most wrestling media has been cut off at this point in time. That is all from Slice Wrestling, the man himself. All right, right there. Uh, Tones, real quickly, uh, you know, your two cents on that report before we get back to it. I think, you know, it's a little bit of what we all elaborated on, still a little murky of a situation, but Tony Khan seemingly trying to work it out, bringing in CM Punk. And honestly, look at that. CM Punk is actually mad at the elite because Cody Rhodes walked and I, you never know. Was there some friction going? A lot of fans were, remember when a lot of fans were hating on Cody for some reason, I thought that was foolish. Maybe there was, you know, elite uh, friction going on between Cody and the elites and CM Punk said, Hey, you should choose Cody Rhodes over these people, but maybe it was vice versa. Maybe they chose the likes of a, you know, Omega or Young Bucks over Cody Rhodes. So the more this keeps developing and the more this keeps coming out, I think that's interesting that CM Punk is mad at the elites for the for Cody Rhodes leaving the company and blames them. To me, that's interesting. And to me, there might be more in this locker room story between the elites themselves and Cody Rhodes. Yeah, and we'll keep following that. Uh, Cleve, finish up uh, if you had any other further point on Dom and then – Man, we got to talk about Gunther versus Sheamus. One of the best matches of the year. Uh, I saw Meltzer report that it's already in his, even though I don't like him, but that match is already going to be uh, in his top five. I mean, talk about that too. Well, um, I, that's all really I have to say on Dom. I like the Judgment Day's direction. Edge seems like he's gone, so they have to feud with someone else. But I think from, I don't think any of us thought a few months ago that Judgment Day would get to this point. And I think they just continue to grow as a stable because we don't have that many stables in the WWE like in the past. We don't, uh, you got like the Bloodline, you got them. New Day's really missing Big E. So I really doesn't, they don't really count as a full hit stable. row. Ah, hit row. I'm not going to lie to you. Hit row's kind of trash. I, I don't see. There you I, go. You're going to warm up to them. Then you're going to be I like, don't oh, see the warm up to these people. Dude. I don't you're going to warm up to him. You're, now, you're foolish for that. Hit row is not trash. It's disgusting. You're basic. But the height, I will say. You're basic. You only no. watch WWE and you only rub off the top stars. Talk about uh, basic. Come Gunther Sheamus, please. I wouldn't watch AEW, which is nothing but WCW from 2001. But anyway, Sheamus and Gunther again. The match of the weekend. I think you don't know the wrestling. Oh, please. Gunther and Sheamus, please, please. I think we all seen. I seen multiple tweets. If you want to I talk watch- wrestling, you'll talk about Sheamus and Gunther. Yeah, that was the match of the weekend, in my opinion. I don't think no match topped that. A 20-minute straight slugfest between two big guys. Sheamus' chest after the match was just so bloody red. It was just, oh, man, that was a really hard-hitting physical match. Even though Sheamus didn't win, I think the right call to let Gunther retain Walter. I keep messing Walter. It was the right move for Walter to retain because he gets the other guy back and they – Imperium, I think that's what that group is called, which is really cool to see, too. That was cool. Walter retains. He needed to win more than Sheamus to help continue his good Intercontinental Champion run that he's had so far. And, you know, you know, Shame, they might have a rematch some um, couple months down the road, but I think that was the best match for the entire weekend between all three shows. Yeah, and, man, that was a lot of wrestling. We even had NXT on in the background during our live draft because they had a pay-per-view Sunday during the day. We walked, Me and Tones and I watched all of All Out. We were at Dynamite. Uh, we watched some of Rampage, and then I watched all of Clash of the Castle. He watched about half of it. There was just so much to take on. Actually, I have a draft coming up. I got pick number six in my fantasy draft starting soon. Uh, Tones. Give me a match before in your closeout, but give me a match from AEW All Out, uh, and if you got anything else for us, but give us one from All Out that you really uh, enjoyed on Sunday evening. I'll give you two. Give me two. Chris Jericho against um, Brian Danielson. I thought that was honestly a phenomenal match. Jericho came out as the Lionheart, old-time WCW days. It felt badass, and – you know, the match lasted for, what, 23, 24 minutes. So for a couple of old guys, 
they were still getting around that ring pretty good. And you even said it yourself, Jericho looked like he has shaved off the pounds. He looks like he's ready to roll. Um, I thought that was incredible. And then a more funny match. It was a cool match. So speaking of red bloody chests, Eddie Kingston against uh, Tamahiro Ishii. That match, you talk about pop blood vessels on the chest. <laughs> oh, baby. Go look at that one. Those guys' chests were whew, red, purple, and everything purple. And, and no doubt. And if I have to give one... The casino match I did, even though we all knew the Joker was going to play a factor, I loved, obviously. Big dog hustled you. I loved MJ, MJF coming back uh, to the – We need they needed him. Uh, you know, he, he's a missing – whether you love him, like him, or hate him, uh, he's a recipe that you want in there uh, to always, you know, complete the storyline and get things going. So that was totally – uh, an enjoyable match. The trios match with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega winning the titles um, was great as well. And But there's one match. I forget. The Kingston one was great because all those slaps. Oh, my goodness. There I was cannot... a, another fun one was a tag team match with uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland against uh, Billy Gunn's team. Yeah, they did fight. And, you know. I'm interested to see who finally will be able to take out if it will be FTR and they, uh, man, it's just crazy. Everything you even look up all out real quick. You just look at things and I, everything's on the altercation. It's like this card just is like getting overlooked just because of this damn thing that happened, which is a shame because it was a great wrestling weekend in Chicago. I believe tones and I gave it a eight out of 10 overall. Uh, Hook defeated Angelo Parker. I'm a Hook fan. I enjoyed that. Uh, Wardlow and FTR defeated Jay Lethal on the Motor City Machine Guns. That's a, those are always a bunch of good wrestlers there, so that's a good time. I was interested. You know, this is what I wanted to talk about, which I couldn't remember. I wanted Britt Baker to win, and I thought if she didn't win, that Jamie Hayter might get the opportunity. But no, Tony Storm actually came out champion. Uh, and she's going to be the AEW Women's Interim Champion until Thunder Rosa comes back. Cleveland, you know Tony Stern from her days. Do you think uh, she'll be a good champion in AEW to hold it over? Uh, I mean, she really – I didn't really know see her much on SmackDown, but she – from what I see on NXT, she seems like a good wrestler. Um I did see a little. I did see she's the interim AW Women's Champion, right? Or she the? Yeah, she's the interim. Okay, because all right. So I saw a report that Baker is the AW Women's Champion, correct? Or no, no, no. Uh, Thunder Rosa, who's injured. Thunder Rosa. Okay. So and I then uh, uh, Britt Baker has what well, is the longest reigning, but she's not champion at the moment. Okay, so I did see there was report, and I don't know how true it is, but I did see one tweet where it's like Thunder Rosa basically faked an injury so she didn't have to lose the belt to Tony Storm. I don't know how real it is. Like I said, it's all been crazy reports that have been coming out from this past weekend and stuff. But I think Tony Storm will be a good champion, but I just don't understand why they keep having interim champions. It's just confusing to me. Like, if somebody's hurt, take the belt off them. Just as simple as that. Don't keep – because it just it just creates a whole world of confusion. Like we was arguing about earlier with Dean Ambrose, CM Punk. We don't really know who's – are they both champion? Is it, is it one champion and is she just a placeholder? Like it's just all confusing. Just all confused all around. But it's well, one speaking match. speaking of would, – go ahead. It's one match I would love to talk about. I know Joe has been somewhat stepping, tiptoeing around it. I would love to talk about the fact that Liv Morgan somehow – She won. She won. That's won all you need. That's all you Schrader, need. Shayna Baszler, what a joke of a she match. She won. I Win. watched it and it was terrible. Please. Terrible. Makes no sense that Liv Morgan beats Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler in back to back matches. I watched, I'm, I'm sorry, but Liv Morgan, she's just not convincing in the ring. And it blows my mind that she beat two top women like that. It's, it is, that was the worst match. My, no, that, no, uh, that was the worst match on the entire. You're just mad match. she won and she's still the champion. Tones, comment on either woman's match, AEW title or the SmackDown title before we get out of here tonight. 
Yeah, Liv Morgan is a is a winner. A glorified version of Nikki Trash. That's what she should be. She'll be right there with do drop and Nikki Ash. They were actually arguing in the background of Raw yesterday. And Correct. It looks like they might have Morgan out. into that scrum and call it the AEW backstage scrum 2.0 and do drop loses out on the last uh, whatever. Nonetheless, um, I, you know, both women matches were interesting. I was rooting for Britt Baker myself. That didn't happen, but she's already been a champion. So, that's a little seeable. Uh, Thunder Rosa is being a baby right now a little bit, so we'll see, you know, the status on that at all. I hope uh, Statlander can maybe get back into the title picture soon. And then for the women's, all I know is Charlotte Flair's coming for you, Liv Morgan, and when she does, you out. You out. You out. It's like strike three, baby. Woo! Hey, and before we get out of here, do you want to mention what's going on with since you guys – we talk about a lot of wrestling, but we got a little Cowboys, Buccaneers, Cleveland versus Tones action. What are we doing? Is it Thursday show? Yes, sir. It's Thursday at 6.15 Eastern, 5.15 Central until the top of the hour. The very nice gentlemen of the Bucketeers, since we're so kind, we're inviting the very rude and targeting Cleve, the Cowboys fan who's been talking so much crap to me. It's been so hurtful, honestly. It's it's uh, shameful the things he said to me, but we're still going to allow him on the show, talk some Cowboys bucks, and uh, really we're going to have some fun on there, talk some football, talk some pregame, talk preview, talk prediction, and all that good stuff. Really happy football's back. And, uh, yeah, you could expect Cleve on the Bucketeers at 6.15 Eastern or 5.15 Central come Thursday, and he's dancing now, but come Sunday night, he's going to be looking like the shovel girl after she got hit with the show. Cleveland, your thoughts on the game is you seem really confident. Look here. Last year we only lost by seven. This year we're going to win. Tampa Hold on a minute. The Yankees are on a losing streak, so you're not a Yanks fan anymore? What the hell is going on there? I still support the Yankees, but we're not going to talk about August because that was a really terrible month. I couldn't. My bleach report alerts every day. Yankees are getting whooped. So let's, let's it's football season. All right. Baseball Ever since you started rooting for the Yankees, baseball is over. I just want to say this the Bucks aren't the team they were the past two seasons. I just don't think <laughs> I just don't think they're that scary. The Rams showed them up last year. I don't, I don't even think they're the best team in their division. The yeah, Saints, the Eagles are better than the, the Cowboys. Saints, no, let's, right. let's be honest. They're not better. They, I, I will admit the Eagles have got better. I do think their receipt, A.J. Brown, is better than C.D. Lamb. But come on, number four, Dak, who's better than him in our division? You guys should worry about the Saints. The Saints have Jameis Winston, a guy who you guys tossed to the side, had a great season last year. Michael Thomas is coming back. You guys will finish second uh, in your division. Oh, you my. Start this your is, season off I, uh, 0-1 because of the Cowboys. But the last thing, this is to Myron Chapman with his wishing on that getting injury. I can't wait till the season goes along and I see the Giants at the bottom of the division again. Trash team, the Giants. That's all I got to say. Any closing comment tones or that's just too much of a joke? <sighs> This kid is a walking imbecile of sports knowledge. I mean, come on. He, he's disregarding the Eagles but saying the Saints are a realistic threat. Listen, you got the second-best quarterback in your division. You got the third and fourth uh, string running backs on some teams in your division. Your receiver core is nothing now that Cooper's gone and Gallup can't stay healthy. Uh, your O-line can't stay healthy. Your head coach will be gone after this season. Your owner doesn't know what day it is when he wakes up in the morning. <laughs> Other than that, the Cowboys are in a great spot. All right. Whoa, what about Michael Parsons, 11 from heaven? No, man. I love Michael. I, I didn't mention your defense, bro. I didn't say oh, your okay. defense is bad. Okay. I, I give your defense a lot of credit because you got Dan Quinn running that ship. Let me tell you, though, Mike McCarthy, he might be holding that playbook in his hand, but he's really looking for the nearest Wendy's with the four for four. I believe Mike McCarthy is a horrible coach. He just, I mean, I don't think he's a good coach at all. He had two great Hall of Fame quarterbacks and have one Super Bowl championship. So that just says a lot about Mike McCarthy. Jerry Jones runs this team. I think it'll be a fun game, though. I really do. I think it'll be a close game. I'll play play Tom Brady and our receivers. (laughs) (laughs) 
CD <laughs> have more yards than Mike Evans and is Godwin even playing? I don't know. Is Fournette is he back in shape? I don't know. It's just he, I don't he know, man. It's out of shape. And CD Lamb should have more yards because there's no weapons on the Cowboys. He has no one to compete with, bro. We got Julio. We got Gage. We got Evans. Who? We got Godwin. What was last time Julio was relevant? Oh, okay. last year. Last year before oh, he got four hundred yards. Before last he couldn't year. stay. He couldn't stay healthy, and Bubble Guts McGee couldn't stay on the field either for the Titans. So. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. Is all right, all right, you two. Well, hey, you just heard it here first. This is a pretty. Yeah, you get for better internet, bro. Before we, hey, you live here part time too, so maybe we we're gonna have to figure this thing out. But a bunch of great content tonight from all the events we went to, to all the pay per views, to the big drama at the end. All I'm gonna say is go Colts. Um, but Bucks are gonna finish in first. The Saints are gonna be a disappointment to many. Uh, as Winston been most of his career, uh, that just a microcosm of what happened this season. But go Colts, and for that being Cleve, this is me, Mr. Tones. We are out tonight as the technical difficulties continue through this storm of an episode. And, uh, yeah, going to finish my draft. Good night, all. <laughs>